broadcasting from the greater Philadelphia area and various locations across the U.S., this is Unofficial Remote. The good, the not so good, the glorious, and the bull. Real talk about working remotely. And we are your hosts, Jeff and Kim. Uh, good evening, KD. Welcome back to episode, uh, or I guess not welcome back, but we're at episode two now. Episode two. They said it wouldn't last, and here we are. Second episode. So here we we're here are. talking, yes, talking about remote life, the good, the bad, the ugly. The you had a good phrase for it. Bullshit. Yeah, the bullshit. There we go. <laughs> I guess that's in our intro. So there you go. I don't need to repeat it. <laughs> but uh, we ended last episode talking about kind of going into the COVID stuff and how people you know, have the assumption that, oh, for you remote workers, it's business as usual, you know, what could change for you? You're still working remote. What's the big deal? That's not always the case, though. Now, and you were saying, you know, even, you know, support tickets and users that, that it's different for you right now, right? Right. Yeah. You know, cancellations and things like that. So the software businesses that, you know, when companies are restricted in what they can do, Maybe distribution channels are cut off temporarily because of certain things. Won't get into specifics there, but um, they tend to cut costs. And some of those things are the maybe the software that they've been using because they find, well, I don't need this because we can't uh, send things in or service sell things like we normally do. So, you know, so we found that you know, initially we had a lot of uh, churn with cancellations and things like that. They they always mentioned that they were going to come back, but We'll see, but we've kind of tapered off, but that's definitely a concern, you know, for software companies is, are they an expendable item on the expenses list for companies, you know, because yeah. when you're trying to survive, everything is is on the chopping block, so to speak, so. And I would guess it even like tickets, it's a different sense of urgency kind of coming right. from those users, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, the company that I work for, you know, directly impacted uh, by COVID-19, I mean, like right in the core, but um, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Your company is, yeah, because what they do, it's, yeah, that's yeah. like a punch in the gut. Right Just in the got pocket. In the ball. Yeah, yeah, or the front butt, whatever. Pretty much. But yeah, even you know, but we're we're able to stay, you know, afloat. Um, you know, we have you know the things in place that we need to be able to kind of stay afloat and and uh, weather the storm. But even if, even if not impacted, in that way, you know if we were zoom you know which yeah which by right. the way went from like 2 million to 20 million users in the course of a month which Isn't is crazy just wow. absolutely nuts but even if i worked for them it it does not feel like business as usual i am still well not even at this point because i can only take so much but was stopping once a day to watch you know um the governor give give the uh, press briefing on, on YouTube, you know, live every day, and um, you know, tracking all of that. And so, no, it was not business as usual. You know, we definitely had the benefit of not having to shift gears from being, you know, coming from a co-located office to right. working remotely. We have that benefit, but um, it feels it's a bit insulting <laughs> to hear sometimes like business as usual. Um, because it has not felt that way, not at least uh, at least for me. But um, you know, it's it, it, I've really thought about it a lot as I've seen these companies, you know, move, uh, you know, to to remote work. All of that time that we've known 
you know, CEOs and, and folks that are in this C-suite that have had that, you know, they've been apprehensive to to move to remote for that thing, that whole like unfounded fear, like, oh, if I can't monitor them, then they're not going to be productive. And, um, right. you know, now probably finding out and, and what I, from the people that I've, I've talked to and CEOs and companies and teams, they're finding out that that actually was not the case, like at all. And people, you know, studies show that there isn't, there is a distinct, you know, measurable increase in productivity um, when teams like move remote. And um, having to think, I wonder how many of these companies are not going to return to their co-located office, especially when we're talking about small startups, nonprofits that are either paying, you know, rent for real estate offices or mortgage, just maintaining those properties, asking themselves, why would I continue to do that when everybody could be working remotely? they're happier, they're more productive. Yes. Why would it make sense to even return? But also thinking, I think we're going to find a lot of currently, you know, p- folks that found themselves working remote unexpectedly, like like I'd say now, like nothing, like I would not return to it. It doesn't make sense to me. A lot of people are going to say like, no, I'm not going back to that. I'm going to continue working yeah. remotely. I mean, there was just an article oh, first part of this month from uh, CNBC about more big employers are talking about permanent work from home positions. I think not just big employers, like you mentioned, I think it's the smaller ones too, when they find out the cost savings and if their productivity is at least comparable to what it was before. I think, you know, like you talked about in the first episode from your uh, nonprofit job, you know, you saved or you added like four, four and a half hours of actual productivity by switching to remote work that wouldn't have, happened in an office because of all the delays and all the four hours and 45 minutes is what, what I measured yeah. and the the amount of money that I saved in gas so again it was yeah. non-profit so I wasn't exactly you know it wasn't a windfall of a salary yeah. <laughs> but the, yeah. the what I saved in gas almost replaced the income that I made working in in a non-profit sector we have a friend that uh, I think I asked her about this and she's willing to come on our, our podcast and talk to us about it. So maybe I can get her on for the next one. She, it was before all this happened and we stopped by and visited their house, visited, well, we didn't visit their house. We visited them, which just happened to be at their house anyway. <laughs> and uh, she, she said she'd been trying to get her company to let her work from home more often. Occasionally they would let her, but it just became something that was just more of a struggle, you know, and now she has to do it. So there's all these employees and they have a huge building that's basically vacant because everybody's working from home. And I said, Hey, is that going to continue? And she says, well, I don't know. It might, you know, they're seeing the cost savings and we're being as productive as we were before. So it'd be kind of interesting to get her on and get her perspective from, from how that looks and what her, what she's heard about from her company and see if they're going to do the same thing. I think you're right, though. I think more and more are going to kind of the light bulb is going to come on. And it's like, yeah, oh, we didn't realize it was going to be this way. Huh. Well, we have to look into this. Maybe this is better. Or we're going to have employees that are going to say, why? When right. the company tells them, okay, it's time to come back. Why? That's the other thing. Yeah. Do you want to lose employees because they don't want to work in the office anymore? They want to work remote. And if they're productive. And, ha- ha- and how does a company respond to that? How do they answer the question, yeah. Why? 
because you're more productive when you're here? No. Yeah, because, that argument is gone. Because it costs the company more money for you to work from home? No, we know that the, the data tells us that companies spend thousands of dollars when, when you know, for each employee that works within a co-located, you know, building or environment, whether that, you know, heat, air conditioning, water, whatever, it costs them more money than if they buy them a really great laptop and send them home. Yeah. You know, so I'm more productive and it costs you less. I'm happier. Attrition is lower. So you you retain employees more when they work remotely. So why? Right. You know, how how will, how can companies possibly respond to that? You know, and, and I think that they, you know, because this, this wasn't just like a, a, a two-week stint, you know, where everybody worked remotely. You know, we have people working remotely for 90 days or more. They have a really good sense of how they are able to work within that environment. And yeah, there's a lot of data right there in 90 days. They can yeah. get a very good idea on what it's going to be like. Yeah. And we have, you know, people like us that are such advocates. There's actually a, a nonprofit uh, local to me that I, you know, I followed on LinkedIn for quite a long time. I've just really liked the work that they do um, and have just really kind of championed and, and cheered them on found themselves working remotely. So just like via LinkedIn, I was just like, Hey, <laughs> I too have a background in nonprofit, but I've worked remotely for five years. If I can help or support in any way, please let me know. Well, I ended up in a zoom meeting later on that week with the, with the director, the executive director. Oh wow! And I said, you know, I, I want to help you transition. And he was like super stoked. So we, you know, it ended up, you know, exchanges of emails and, and sending him, you know, because what he was finding was he was looking for, you know, resources, like how to make this work. But because everybody's not working remotely and everybody's like generating content around it, he was just finding like a shit ton of like clickbait. Yeah. So sending him reliable resources, look to the content generated by these companies. And he just found that very valuable and shared it across his entire team. So our plan is actually to um, like to, for me to kind of like do some webinars because he has his, his team, but then he also has the, consumers, for lack of a better term, of that nonprofit also that are now consuming, you know, the services remotely as well. Awesome. So they kind of have like two different kind of like things going on. So like working with them to kind of just support that transition. And, but especially in the nonprofit sector where funds are just, you know, never, <laughs> there's never an abundance. Yeah, that's razor thin there, right? Yeah. To be able to save those types of funds, you know, when it comes to like a, you know, paying rent and for, for those services could, is absolutely invaluable yeah. to the nonprofit sector. But um, I am kind of laughing. There's a few companies that have been so super resistant to going remote that I, you know, am kind of like my counterparts in other companies that have just wanted to work remotely like so badly and just been like shut down, shut down, shut down by the C-suite. Like, oh, if I can't monitor you, like, oh, <laughs> now I'm kind of like laughing, you know, like, oh, I'll be interested to see how this works out for you, ma'am. Yeah, sir. exactly. <laughs> yeah, in that article, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, but it's very interesting. Nationwide said that they were going to do a permanent transition now to a hybrid work model. They're only going to have four main offices in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, Scottsdale, Arizona, San Antonio, and then in central Ohio. But that'll put 98% uh, of their employees in working from home 
working from home model, which is another, and I apologize for any background noise when you're working remote in an RV, sometimes uh, there's loud traffic, but I'm not sure if you can hear that, but he needs a new muffler. It's very <laughs> evident. Um, but that that is also one of the things that kind of sticks in your craw and mine as well is work from home or WFH. All we can say to that is WTF. <laughs> like, what the fuck do you mean work from home? That's something, I don't know who made that up, but we don't I refer didn't even to know it what it meant. When all the COVID yeah. things happened, all these like articles, all the, the, the clickbait, I kept seeing WFH. I'm like, what? I kept reading it yeah. as WTF <laughs> for some reason. Like, I don't, what is that? What does that mean? And all of a sudden it kind of like dawned on me like, oh, they mean work from home. So word to the wise, when you work remotely, you don't say I work from home. Yeah. None of us say that. We all say we work remotely. No. So before yeah. COVID, you know, I would have, you know, friends that I care about a lot would, would approach me and say like, can you help me? I would really, you know, there, here's all the reasons why, you know, working from home is something that would be important to me. Can, can you help me figure this out? Because when I Google work from home positions, <laughs> yeah. you know, they were finding like the MLM, you know, like the, yep. like the, the candle company or the essential oils and, right. you know, all of these sometimes like even like really super scammy, the word remote wasn't part of their vocabulary. It just wasn't a common term. And I would say, no, 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 you need to search remote career, remote job, yeah. like remote, like that, that was just a brand new term to them. So that's a pro tip, folks. Pro tip. If you can take anything away from this podcast, <laughs> it's called remote work. Yep. Get that work from home vernacular out of your yep. mind. When you work remotely, you never say you work from home because when you say you work from home, I have found in my experience that they assume that you're selling essential oils, first of all, right. <laughs> or you're like an MLM kind of person, yeah. or you know there is really such a, a, a stigma attached oh, to yeah. work from home. You're putting uh, you're putting stamps on uh, envelopes. Nice. Yeah, I mean, like I grew up. <laughs> one of my neighbors, she she was the person that that put things inside the little plastic bubbles that went in gumball machines. You know, oh, that yeah, was there you go. that was work from home. Yeah, that is work from home right there. Professionals that work from either an RV or home office or wherever they want to be, it's called remote. So COVID happened, all this clickbait, all this content kind of came out with this WFH, you know, acronym, which I didn't even recognize at first. Like, what is, what is WFH? Yeah, I, I don't even understand. I was right there with you. It's like, yeah. what the fuck is that? Yeah. Stop saying that. You don't work yeah. from home. You work remotely. Sometimes you'll hear, I'm a member of a distributed team. Distributed is also another term but not nearly yeah. as common as remote. Don't search work from home. Don't search for <laughs> tips on working from home. Don't search, God, don't go. search for work from home jobs, but we work remotely, you know, cause there is, there is like that stigma. Yeah. It's just that, Oh yeah. That thing where like, Oh, you're doing laundry, you know, stuffing envelopes or that kind of thing. Like, no, I'm a professional. I'm kicking ass. I'm taking names. You can't do what I do. I work remote. You know, we kind of talked about the stigma in the past about companies being apprehensive and they're kind of opening their eyes to this loss of productivity fear where it really is unfounded. There isn't a fear of loss of productivity because more and more are really considering this. And uh, I saw one article that said it's the world's biggest work from home experiment triggered by the coronavirus. 
And I guess that's true, because if it was wasn't for that virus, then there wouldn't be yeah. all of these companies that were forced, you know, by necessity to to go remote or die off, basically. But it's too bad it had to happen because of this. But I think it's really opening the eyes of these, as you call it, the C-suite. Why don't you explain what the C-suite is? You've said that a couple of times, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that might be a SaaS term too. I think yeah. we've said we've said SaaS, which is software as a service. We've also said churn, C H U R N. So that is your customers or users or software users that cancel. So churn being a bad thing, retention, good thing. Um, and then the C suite. So that's C hyphen S U I T E. So that would be your CEO, your CFO, your your chief product officer, your chief marketing officer. So that'd be like your leadership and like your decision makers. So we just kind of refer to them uh, typically as the as the C-suite, even when we don't have, you know, that type of an organization. Right. Just like, you know, the, the folks making decisions, bastards. Yeah. The C-suite. <laughs> Jerks. <laughs> They'd only listen to us. <laughs> if they only listen to us. <laughs> it's the same frustrations you get in any company, folks. Just because you're yeah. working remote doesn't mean those go away. So you still just a different way to call, just a different word to call them by. Yeah, you still have to navigate the politics, and you know, let's let's talk a little bit about that because mm. when you're trying to navigate politics when you're in an office setting, and you're able to see facial expressions, you're able to see body language, you're able to kind of tell, okay, they told me this, but I'm kind of sensing it's probably that. But when you're working off of basically chat, which is what these uh, communication softwares are, you know, like uh, Slack, a lot of companies use Slack or, or Basecamp, you know, you can throw an emoji or two in, but there's always room for interpretation when you're chatting with somebody, as you most of you probably know from your, you know, text messages and things, you don't get that, you're missing something there, you know, and things can be misconstrued when you're, when you're sending a message, you really have to be very clear on what you mean. So navigating that in an office setting when you're working remote can be very tricky, I think. It's a skill for sure. Yeah, I was very nervous. So my previous nonprofit career was literally a public speaker and public educator, really tackling very um, complex cultural systemic topics. And I relied on my ability to pick up on social cues, body language, pitch, you know, um, facial expression, posture, eye contact, to, you know, to gauge whether or not I was being heard or understood. I was really nervous, actually, you know, kind of entering the tech sector, whether or not those skills were going to translate. I was really worried that they that they, they just weren't. Yeah. Um, but when it came to the work that I was doing, I found that they translated very well. And I was, I was very much surprised that when I was connecting with users, when I held that focus, when I was vigilant about maintaining that perspective and, and working diligently to constantly hear their, their voice and then amplify that within the company, that that translated into the work that I was doing for them. But within the team, the office politics and communicating within the team, I found it to be sometimes difficult, more so though with team members that were not from my same uh, 
cohort. So like I'm Gen X. And when working with somebody that's not Gen X, really, you know, less than Gen X, like Gen X and, a, and, and above, if, you know, there was an ease about that communication. But I did, I did find that communication was very different and challenging, that what I was trying to say was not translating the, you know, it wasn't being understood the way that I, I had intended via, you know, whether that be like a Slack message or even like email. And it, it took, it ended up actually taking a lot of time because I would have to really stop and choose every word, like very, very carefully to be like very, very clear what I'm trying to communicate here. <laughs> it, it, you know, with, with, with the spirit in which I'm, in, I'm communicating it. And even then it, um, didn't always work. Yeah. And I did find that, um, you know, some, some colleagues be like, Hey, can we jump on a call really quick? They were, they'd be more open to that. But I have had a lot of colleagues that are very resistant to phone calls or otherwise, you know, that they're very comfortable, like in, in a text environment and would prefer that, like that would, that's their preferred communication channel. And that it, you know, had to work even more so hard to to make that communication effective. Yeah, you know, I there's a certain uh, developer we both know and love, and I mean that seriously. He's fantastic, but he comes across in the message <laughs> channels as very gruff. He's very direct. He's to the point, and it's almost I thought like going to be an asshole. Yeah, I'm exactly. Not gonna lie. Now, and my first reaction to one of his replies to me was like, oh, yeah, well, fuck you, too. What the fuck? I don't get why you're saying that. You know, and then when you meet the guy, it's like, okay, this is not what I expected. Because he's very personal. He's very, you know, he's fun he's to be warm. around, very warm, intelligent, obviously. He easily connects with people. Very yep. easily. But when it comes to those you know, it gave me a different perspective when I see his messages to me or messages to other people. Yeah. I kind of put on that that filter. You know, his filter is like, okay, I understand where he's coming from. And that's just the way he does it because he doesn't want to waste time, I think. He just is very direct, though. And sometimes that comes across as like, so if you get those and you're working with somebody like that and you're new to remote work <laughs> and you get those things, maybe just, you know, step back a little bit and think about it and go, probably not this way in person and it's probably just wants to, you know, be very direct in the message. Wants to make sure I was very nervous about him. Oh, so I like was my too. previous role. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I would have a team come out to, to different conferences to represent the company at, you know, trade shows or, or whatever. And it was important to me in his role that he came out and had a customer facing experience. You know, he was, he's, you know, the head of IT, he's the IT director. And I wanted him to be able to have that face to face. But my previous experience with him via Slack and just kind of seeing his interactions, you know, in those types of messages, I was very nervous. I was not sure if I was going to be face to face with like, you know, if this was going to be like a patriarchal, this is going to be the hill I die on, <laughs> you yeah. know, kind of, yeah. you know, experience. I wasn't really sure, yeah. you know, because he, he seemed like very cold and could sound almost arrogant. Right. And had said some things that I was like, what the fuck did you just say? Well, he is you a know? developer, you know, so. <laughs> you know, but not had, you know, meeting him face to face. When I met him, 
he, there was no disconnect. There was no silo. There was a, there was no like, I'm up here, you're down here. Right. Nothing like that at all. So open to that experience and so open to um, connecting with users, which was really what kind of sold me on him completely. He just was completely approachable and was willing to get out of, you know, he was getting out of his own way and, and being like right there and very present for those conversations, which is, um, in my experience, very difficult for developers to do <laughs> when it comes to users, you know, getting out of their own way to be able to understand the user experience. He did with ease. It was absolutely, absolutely seamless. And then to be able to connect with him as a person, um, it was after that, because it having that experience removed that barrier for me, like kind of keeping him at arm's length and not really kind of engaging with him that I so much more appreciated his work, yeah. how he a- approached that work. And you knew um, where he was coming from. It was for yeah. the benefit. He understood the needs of the customer. He wasn't, he wasn't in his own little bubble. Yeah. Know? And that was all that I, I needed to, yeah. you know, if I knew that you were present and understood or at least we're authentically a, a, attempting to understand the user experience. Then I was with you. I I, I have your back. A hundred percent. Yeah, he's, and, and he that's, turned and into that, a, that's what he was. Yeah, he's definitely a champion for the the end user of the product because he knows that yeah. if the end user is not happy, then you're not going to be around very long. You have to make sure. Yeah, that, but he's like a unicorn like that, though. Yes. You know, so yes. so developers they they really they have a love for writing code. They have a love for that. And to be able to be, you know, pan out and be able to have that perspective is so unusual. And the fact that he's able to do that is amazing. Can I tell you my first experience with a developer? Sure. It was <laughs> it was that's why I was when I was first hired this SaaS company that we both worked at, I was kind of nervous about the developer side because my first experience with the developer was a was kind of a face-to-face thing. And he was observing our work in the, the agency I worked for previously because he was one of the, the developers. And he was he was one of three people in the country that could code in the language on the machine that we had in our building. And uh, that's bad business right there. Well, it was (laughs) the reason that we had that. And the reason that uh, we had it for so long was because it was bulletproof. I mean, the server and everything, it was was such a, it was very unique. It was very expensive. That's the downside. And of course you have very limited uh, resources when something goes bad. So he was one of like three guys. And so he flies out. And he's observing how we work to see how he can improve it. Well, this is not the guy that should have been observing us. He he did not talk. He didn't want to communicate with you. He walked around and he had his hand. The only thing I remember of the guy is he had his hand down the back of his pants, down his butt crack. That's where he, <laughs> that's his position as he would stand there and watch you. And I'd be like, I hope he's not digging around down there. It's kind of making me, this is awkward. I'm not sure. You know, it just kind of threw me off and everybody felt that way. And then the minute you asked them a question or said, hey, can I explain the work process? This is why I'm doing it this way instead of using your, he'd just look at you with this blank look and he'd walk off. It's like, okay, uh, I guess that's just what developers do. 
you know, it turns out the guy was brilliant. I'm not gonna gonna lie. He was a uh, Scrabble world champ uh, three times over. I come <laughs> to find out. This is from another guy that I worked with. He says, "Yeah, did you know he's like a Scrabble three-time world champ?" And I was like, "Oh, you're shitting me." There's no way that dude is goes to these competitions all over the world. And he's like, no. And I looked him up. He's like, oh, yeah, shit. I guess he is. He's dead now. He died when he was like 42. Oh, wow. Yeah, after Thanksgiving dinner, he had a big dinner, laid down on the couch, and never woke up. It's weird. It's a big segue there. But that was my first experience with a, de- <laughs> with a developer. So when I came to the company we both worked at, I was like, oh, man. I don't know how this is going to go having to deal with them and because we have to communicate with them quite regularly. So it was, I was pleasantly surprised my first interaction with one of the developers. I think it was actually one of the, uh, one of the guys, uh, I'll just say F is his uh, first initial. Yeah. And, yeah. Cause uh, the, the developer team hadn't grown beyond. Right. That, yeah. And uh, even with a little bit of a language barrier, it was like, Okay, I was reassured because he was very positive, right on it, super sharp, and could explain to me and the a, issue. And and a heart for for the user. Correct. He, what a, what a great advocate for the voice exactly. of the customer. Exactly. Yeah. He, yeah. Unwavering in that. But you know what what you describe though is what we're all led to believe about you know. And you'll hear us probably say like the dev team. Yeah. What is so that, that would be like developers, developers, engineers, people writing code, people in SaaS, and often people working remotely will say the dev team. Um, you know, that's some more uh, that's more inside baseball, folks. So remember that that'll help you. Well, we'll have to like add that to the glossary. So yeah. we got SaaS, churn, yeah. C-suite, dev team. So, you know, unfortunately, what you described with that guy isn't always that. That's not uncommon. You know, we we do come across those folks, and those are the ones that, you know, they can't get out of their own way. Right. They're, you know, that aren't able to have somebody standing in front of them to say, the workflow that I've developed to use your software effectively for the task that I've set out to achieve, you know, this is why I have to do it that way. To stop for one second to hear that there is no greater truth than the user. Hard stop. Right, you know? right. <laughs> if the user says this is confusing, there's no more questions other than, holy shit, we got to find out what's confusing about it. You know, and that's the getting out of your own way kind of part. When the user doesn't understand, there's no point in saying, oh my God, our users are so stupid. You know, or the, you know, that user blaming kind of thing that, that so often happens. What a waste of time. Exactly. If the user doesn't understand, they're the ones that are paying for your product. Exactly. So whether or not you understand how to use it is irrelevant. I want to grab them by the throat nothing. and shake them. It's like, come on. They're your and that, bread and that butter. Goes back to that, they, that's that product manager. Yep. That's, you know, the, that user blaming. Whenever you hear anybody kind of putting the, the responsibility on the user, whether it's, I want to do a survey to ask users what's important to them. Would you be more interested in this feature or that feature? It is not your user's responsibility to build the product, first of all. That's not their job. Here's an idea. That's- Why don't you look at the user suggestions that we tell you about every week? 
we point that out. You don't need another fucking survey. There's Spend another time in the support desk. Jesus, yeah, exactly. Take some look at the chat that <laughs> happens during a webinar. But let's but hey, yeah. let's ask the user to stop what they're doing and respond to our survey because their time is, you know, not nearly as valuable as ours. What else are they gonna so do? Yeah, they can they can take the time. And then the survey is asking them to to it's not to, to design their product, rebuild their product. It's not their job. Right. It's your job to figure out what their goals are, what their needs are, and to build a product around that, to anticipate those needs. And you know, often we find developers that you know can't get out of their own way. And and that's you know what makes the IT director that you and I are both talking about and an F so much of you know just just unicorns. Exactly. Because they just naturally come to this space where they understand that fact that if they say it's confusing, it's fucking confusing. Right. And we need to fix it. You know, they the one thing they do is they take the time to learn how to use the end product. Whereas certain product well, managers that's always helpful. <laughs> yeah. Certain product managers <laughs> may not uh, take that time and just think that, well, it needs to be this way because that's what we want and the users will just be able to do it. If you're a product manager and you're not a power <laughs> user, that's a problem. Yeah. I have somebody in my C-suite right now that no less than once per week says, I didn't know that was there. Oh my God. I'm like, that's a, that's a red flag. Yeah. That's a, that's a red flag. I mean, it's, if you're in the C-suite and you're one of those, you know, um, silent partners or whatever, you know, that you're kind of getting out of the way for your remote yeah. team, you know, to do what they're, they're, you know, they're subject matter experts in or whatever, then that that's fine. You don't have to know everything. But if you're directing shit and you're telling me what to do and you're like, I didn't even know that was there. Yeah. You and I got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, we're going to, we're going to, but we're going to butt heads. <laughs> Can you rewind just a bit? What did you say? Oh, you, what? You don't know. Okay. That's, that's one of those moments where I want to stop and do that whole thing. Like when somebody tells like a, a like a rapey joke, like, like dropping the soap or something. And I want to say, I don't get it. Can you explain? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you, what do you mean? What does that mean? What do you mean? So when you say that you didn't know that was there, what does that mean? Because I want them to say, I was not aware that the UI or the interface, the user interface, included that that element that, you know, uh, you know, accomplished that task or 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 did that function. I want to hear you say it. Just <laughs> yeah. I, I want to hear you say it. Use your words. It me nuts. Use your words. Dude, Tell me dude, what you mean. All the time. Use your words. <laughs> Use your words. Little side note, uh, I do enjoy our TWSS moments when you're in meetings and the dev team is. <laughs> if you don't know what TWSS is, you know that's what she said because there's. That's what she said. So many moments like that in a dev meeting. Dude, so and for the record, in case anybody is not aware, I am by definition a, a feminist and an advocate for um, disability rights and anti-racism and anti-ageism, anti-homophobia, anti-all of the isms across the board. And I am a huge fan of the that's what she said joke. <laughs> Amongst within the feminist uh, space, we are the we are the best at <laughs> that's what she said. And there is no better space to find a good that's what she said joke 
than in the dev space. Attend any kind of a dev meeting or conversation and they talk about, you know, sticking this in here and making it larger. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the list just goes on and on. And it's it's not like those like easy, that's what she, she said jokes. Like, oh, that's really big. That's what she said. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. That's an easy. That's what she said joke. That's a softball I'm talking there. About like, yeah. I'm talking about like, well, that's saying like softball is easy. Softball's not really easy, but that's another conversation. <laughs> but, but it's like, you know, the good, that's what she said jokes. So now that Jay and I aren't, aren't working together, when I get like really good ones and when he gets really good ones, uh, I text him. So I'll say, you know, product manager and then what the... That's what she said. Joke was, and because uh, they're just they're they're too good. <laughs> Highlight of my day. Dude, I wish we really kept a record of those. Do I have? I know. I need to go back through the text messages. You know what? Next next episode, uh, we'll go through. We'll make sure we have some examples of that's what she said. Uh, things from the dev meeting. I'm putting that down now. My text messages get erased after thirty days. So I don't well, think they I do? have any. No. Yeah, I have it set to delete after 30 days. But you have yours? Yeah, they, they're here forever. Oh, sweet. Can't get away from you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so good talk. Always a pleasure, Katie. And we'll uh, we'll get together again. And uh, we'll talk some more, probably some more COVID. And then uh, I was thinking maybe uh, the next episode we can always uh, – Talk about product manager sayings we hate. Ugh. Might be a good topic just to throw some of those things out there. Should we take this so, offline, Jay? We'll take this offline. Yeah, we'll take it <laughs> offline. Let's take it oh offline. God, there we go. <laughs> That's just a little teaser, folks, for next week. So join us again at the next one. And uh, Katie, as always, it's been a pleasure. Talk soon. It's been a pleasure. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Unofficial Remote Podcast with your hosts, Jeff and Kim. Be sure to check out the next episode. We welcome our guest who, due to COVID, has found herself among the unexpected remote. And if you want even more Unofficial Remote, be sure to subscribe and head over to unofficialremote.com. That's all for this episode. Please stay safe and see you next time.